chapter 17, and it's on page 960 in your, your black-colored Bibles. John chapter 17, I'll be reading from verses 1 to 5 and 24 to 26. Let's listen as God speaks. Jesus spoke these things, looked up to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, so that the Son may glorify you, since you gave him authority over all flesh, so that he may give eternal life to everyone that you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory I had with you before the world existed. And verse 24. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, so that they will see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the world's foundation. Righteous Father, the world has not known you. However, I have known you. And they have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that the love you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. This is God's word. Well, good morning. My name is Kevin. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors at Cornerstone, and it's uh, my great uh, privilege this morning to open the scripture and to uh, continue in our uh, Praying with Jesus series where we're looking at the prayer of Jesus, the longest recorded prayer that we have in the entire scripture here in the 17th chapter of John's gospel. And uh, this morning we're going to focus in on uh, verse 3 where, uh, where Jesus says, this is eternal life. This is what eternal life is, is to know you, the only true God, and to know the one that you have sent, Jesus, the Christ. And, uh, and so this morning, that's our focus, that's our text uh, for the message this morning, is on this beautiful verse, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one and only, the one true God, and Jesus Christ. Jesus has come to give eternal life. Let that sink in for a moment. Jesus has come to give eternal life. The, the focus on, the, on eternal life is not so much on the quantity, not so much how long it lasts, that it is eternal in the sense that it's life that will never end, life that goes on and on, but it's um, the, the focus on uh, this uh, biblical uh, term, eternal life, is on a quality of life, actually. Life to the full, life to the max, life to uh, like it's really meant to be. Now, it does go on forever, uh, but as uh, John Carson uh, says in his commentary on this passage, he says the, uh, the, the focus is not so much on everlasting life, but it's in knowledge of the everlasting one. That, uh, that to know the everlasting one is what life is all about. It's that knowing God through Jesus the Christ gives an experience of life that makes any previous life feel like mere existence. That uh, coming to know God through Jesus brings about a quality of life that, that makes uh, what we've known about life previous to be like 
I was just existing. But now, now that I know Jesus, now that I know God as my Heavenly Father through Jesus, I have new capacities, I have new joy, I have new love, I have new purpose, I have new desires, new motivations. And so, uh, life, life to the full. Life to the full. And so we're going to talk this morning um, on, uh, on this idea of knowing God. Knowing God. What does it mean to know God? And a, I'll have a bunch of points. But the first point this morning is that knowing God is an invitation to intimacy. Knowing God is an invitation to intimacy. You see, God is not uh, a subject that we study. He's a person that we can know. He's a person that we can enjoy. He's a person that we can respond to and love. You know, knowing God is not so much about information about God, but more interaction with God. It's opening up to Him and Him opening up to you in a, in a, in a relationship. It's about responding to God and, and Him responding to you in relationship. That's the invitation that God gives all throughout Scripture is towards relationship, towards knowing one another. Back in the very beginning, in the Garden of Eden and Adam and Eve, drop the ball and they rebel against God. They declare war on God and fire the first shot. And, and God comes like He always did to walk with Adam and, and Eve, to have relationship with them. And, and Adam and Eve now are scared. They're, they know the, the gulf they, that has uh, now separated them. They know the, the, the barrier in the relationship. And so Adam and Eve go and hide. And, and, and God's walking in the garden and He says, Adam, where are you? Now God's not stumped. He's not He's not confused. He knows where Adam is, but it's not so much a question as as an invitation. Adam, what have you done? What have you done? Where are you? I want to meet with you. I want to be with you. The invitation all throughout the Scripture from the very beginning to the very end is that we would come to know Him. That we would know Him. Not just know about Him, but that we would know Him. Here's the truth. Every single one of us in this room is a name dropper. That every single one of us in this room is a name dropper. We want to be, we want to know and to be known by someone whose greatness surpasses our own. Wayne Gretzky and I were talking about that actually just this past week. We we want to be known by someone whose greatness surpasses our own. And so we're 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 we're, we're all name droppers. If you if you haven't realized if if you haven't realized it yet, you are. And, and we all are. It's the impulse of our heart. But the beautiful thing is, the beautiful thing is, and let this, let this truth hit you with a new freshness this morning. The great and awesome God, the eternal one, the infinite one, the creator of heaven and earth, who is great and infinite, powerful and wise, is inviting you into a relationship of intimacy. To know Him, to enjoy Him, to delight in Him, to relate to Him. And the great news about that is it's not an audition. It's not about your performance. You don't have to make the cut. The only one whose performance counts is Jesus, and He made the cut. So the invitation Jesus gives us in His prayer God. Not just know about Him, not know, know Him from a distance, but to know Him. 
in the way that Adam knew Eve, in the way that a husband and wife know each other, if you catch my drift. Now, the, the, the reality, the sad reality, is that you and I too often settle for kind of cheap Chinatown knockoff versions of knowing God. We, we settle for imitation versions of knowing God. We, we settle for just knowing some things about God. Right? There's, there's a great difference between having a baseball card knowledge of someone about the baseball player. You know the stats and you know the figures and you know the, 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 you know the, the facts and figures about this player. And there's, another, there's, a, a, there's a great difference between having that baseball card knowledge of this baseball player and him saying, hey, let's play catch in the front yard. Right? There's, a, there's, a, there's a world of difference between that. There's a world of difference between just knowing about God and knowing God. Now, I'm not, I'm not down on theology. I'm not down on uh, knowing things that are true about God. If, I'm, I, if I came to Sherry and say, hey, Sherry, I love your beautiful red hair, I'm in trouble, right? She's not a redhead. So our, our love and our relationship has to be based, based on truth, truth, true things about each other. But so often I can settle, and maybe you can settle for opening up books, but not opening up my heart about learning some truths, but not really responding, not really enjoying the person about who those things are about. If, you, uh, if you're using one of the journals, um, which I would encourage you to do, and there's a whole place to take notes, if, if you don't have one, you feel free to walk to the back. I'm used to people walking out on me while I talk. And uh, you, can, you can grab one now. But there's, there's, quotes, uh, there's some quotes that I've included in here. But J.I. Packer, in his book, great book, Knowing God, says, how, asks, he says, how can we turn knowledge about God into knowledge of God? Great question. How can we turn knowledge about God into knowledge of God? He says, when we turn each truth that we learn about God into a matter of meditation before God, leading to prayer and praise to God. When we take some great truth about God, when we say, God, you are just. You're a God of justice. And we take that truth and, 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 and we don't just say, oh, academic knowledge, God is just. He is a God of justice. But we actually take that truth and we take it to God as a person and say, God, you are just. And I love your justice. And you, and you begin to, to meditate on it. You say, he's just. Father, you are just. You love what is good. You, you love what is right. You love what is true. You love what is pure. And you begin to think about it, and you begin to, to, to give praise to Him. I thank You that You're just. I thank You that one day You're going to put all the wrong things right. That You're going to punish all those wrong things, and You're going to restore all that is wrong. You'll reward all that is right. You are just. And I love Your justice. You see, it's, it's moving from information to interaction, right? From inter- information to interaction. information to encountering God, to enjoying Him, to experiencing Him. So one of the cheap knockoff versions of knowing God is that we too often settle for. The imitation versions is, is this knowledge about God. Another um, imitation form of knowing God that too often we settle for is, is we settle for the duty of religious activity. Where, you know, we go through the motions. Showing up here, Sunday morning, 
I've done what I'm supposed to do. I'm reciting my lines. I'm playing my part. I'm, I'm going through the motions without emotion. I'm playing my role. I'm doing my job. I'm obligated to do this. It's my duty. It's what's right. And there's no delight in it. Duty without delight is not love, right? Duty without delight. I've used this illustration before, but if I came home on my anniversary with a dozen roses and said, Sherry, here you go, she says, oh, that's beautiful. Well, that's just my duty. It's mine, your husband, so i got to do it. It's not going well, right? That's not going well. But to say, oh, you're the object of my deepest affection, my highest devotion. I love everything about you. I've committed to you, and I'm so thankful to be your husband. Timothy 3 says, talks about people who have an appearance of godliness on the outside. They look godly. They look like they care, but they're, they're denying the power of it. They're denying the power of God working in us and revealing things to us and speaking to our hearts and, and revealing His love and being, and, and, and being overwhelmed by His love and, be, and resting in His love and enjoying Him and, and praising Him and, and, and having our hearts filled with His love and resting in that and trusting in that and, and hoping in that against all hope, against all circumstances that we're, that we're finding our rest in Him. That's eternal life. That's eternal life. Where some of these truths can, can sustain us through the deepest, darkest trials. You know, I've sat with people in dark, hard times and spoken of the, the truth of eternal life, of everlasting life. And when we're spiritually alive, those truths become precious to us. They're our lifeline. They're our hope. Second point this morning. So first point was knowing God is an invitation to intimacy. Let's not settle for knockoff versions of just knowing about God. Let's not settle for dutiful religious activities. Second point is knowing God is the greatest pursuit of our lives. It's the greatest pursuit of our lives. Hosea 6, verse 3. Trevor read that this morning. Let us strive to know the Lord. Let us strive to know the Lord. Let us make this the great pursuit of our lives. Let's hunt it down. Let's break a sweat. Let's pursue, let's strive to know the Lord. stands out to me is the word little word us let us do it who's the us in your life who who if if it's not let me strive to know the lord i'm going to strive to know the lord all by myself and do you believe that a life of following jesus a life of knowing god happens in community that he calls you not to an individual walk with god he calls you to a experience of God. It has individual components to it. It is, it is personal and it is individual, but it's, it's in the context of, of a wider community. Who's the us in your life? Let us strive to know the Lord. And let us make this the great pursuit of our lives. 
that we would know him. Turn to, if you have a, if you have a copy of the scriptures with you, turn to Jeremiah 9, or it will be on the screen here, Jeremiah 9, uh, where the, the prophet, uh, it's a fairly well-known, if you're a church folk kind of a person, you've heard this. If you're not, we're thrilled you're here, and, uh, and we'll read it here, but um, where Jeremiah the prophet is quoting the Lord, he's quoting God, and he says, this is what the Lord says, the wise person should not boast in his wisdom. The strong should not boast in his strength. The wealthy should not boast in his wealth, but the one who boasts should boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, showing faithful love, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for I delight in these things. All of us have a boast. All of us have this one great pursuit of our lives. All of us have this thing that we're searching after, that that when push comes to shove, this one thing will trump every other thing. This is what my life is all about. This is what makes my life worthwhile. This is the great pursuit. This is my great boast. This is what I'm after. And God's saying, this is what, you, what your life should be about, that you would understand me, that you would know me. You would understand what he likes, that you would love what he loves, that you would delight in what he delights in. Jerry Packer also, I put the quote in the journal as well, it's at the bottom of the page, he says, what makes life worthwhile is having a big enough objective, something which catches our imagination and lays hold of our allegiance. And this the Christian has in a way that no other person has. For what higher, more exalted, and more compelling goal can there be than to know God? By definition, can there be a greater goal in life? Can there be a greater pursuit in life than to know God? to know and be known by this great God, the God of heaven and earth, the one and only true God. Third point this morning. Knowing God is an invitation to intimacy. Knowing God is the greatest pursuit of our lives. And third, knowing God is the most demanding pursuit of our lives. Let us strive. Let us press on. The NIV says, let us press on to know the Lord. Let's pursue it. Let's strive. Let's break a sweat. Knowing God is not for the casual. You can't dabble in the things of God. Here's the truth. The the depth of a subject increases the demand of the effort to know it. The depth of a subject increases the demand of the effort to in order to know it. That's why medical school is so long. Right? The depth of a subject, the deeper a subject is, the more difficult, more complex it is, the more effort is required in order to master it. You don't want a doctor that says, medical school, I partied through medical school. Breezed through it. It's not that hard. Just squeaked by. Get on my teeth. Teeth don't have screens, doctors. It's the difference between chess and checkers, right? It's the difference between chess and checkers. You can play checkers. I can play checkers even. All you need to know is your colors and diagonal moves. I just taught you checkers. Chess, you need to know names of pieces and how they move and kill moves and end game and opening moves and 
my, my kids read books on chess. I have zero patience for that kind of thing, but chess is much more complicated. It's deeper. It takes more effort in order to master it, to become a chess master. I think I could become a checkers master. playing around with them. Now, it's not impossible. Praise God, it's not impossible to know Him. Right? It's not impossible. He's near. He's accessible. He says, when you seek Me, you will find Me. When you seek Me with all your heart. If you seek Me, you will find Me. If you seek Me with all your heart. I'm near. I... The Apostle Paul says he's not far from any of us. And if we would reach out for him, we will be found by him. It's not impossible, but it's demanding. It's demanding because of our resistance to him. It's demanding because of our resistance to him. You see, when you get to know God, you lose control of your life. You lose autonomy. You lose lordship of your life. You you, you cease to be the master of your own domain. You're no longer your own boss. You're no longer your own man or your own woman. You lose autonomy. You lose control. You see, when, when you get married, a lot of my illustrations this morning about marriage, um, when, you, when you get married, you give up a sense of autonomy. You don't get to spend the money however you want to spend it. You get to spend the money however she wants to spend it. Right? However, you, y'all, you all decide to spend. That's what I meant. You don't get to decide if you go out with your buddies every night or not. It's not only your decision, right? It's together your decision. You, but you, you gladly, gladly enter into that and, and losing of autonomy and becoming a we. But, but in that relationship, you no longer function like a single person. If you want to continue functioning like a single person in a marriage, you will soon be a single person again. Look at John, just a couple of pages to the left of John 17 is John 14. And Jesus in in the upper room just before he uh, prays this prayer, he's speaking in John 14 and verse 21. Listen Listen to what he says. He says, The one who has my commands... And keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who has my commands and keeps them. So if you know what Jesus is instructing you to do and calling you to do and you keep them, you're showing that you love him. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. I'll love him and will reveal myself to him. They'll get to know me. You see, when you resist, when you resist what God wants to do in your life, when you resist His call in your life, His revelation to you will, will stop. He says, I've, I've revealed myself, and you're not wa- if you're not walking in that, you're, you're not ready for, the, for more. You're not ready for deeper things. You're not ready for the next thing. I'm actually going to withdraw from you if you're, if you're unwilling to give up autonomy. Psalm 24, 25 verse 4 says, The secret of the Lord is with those who fear Him. It's this picture of a king pulling in a friend and, 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 and telling the state, state secrets and, and, 
and, and, and being a confidant. But it's for those who fear Him. It's for those who walk in His ways. Those who are pursuing after Him. The friendship of the Lord is with, is with those who, who will seek after Him. It's demanding because of our resistance. It's also demanding because it takes time. It takes time to develop a relationship with anyone. To really know anyone requires time. This is eternal life, that you would know God. And it's a patient, persistent, ongoing, steady pursuit of God with the rhythms of your life, with the habits of your life. So what are your rhythms? What are your daily rhythms of knowing God? Maybe you need to start some. What are the daily rhythms? What are the weekly rhythms? What are the annual rhythms? Are there annual rhythms of saying, maybe, I, maybe you need a day a year, where you say, this day I'm setting aside to just seeking God and being with Him and hearing from Him and praising Him and thanking Him. What are the rhythms? What are the habits of your life? It's the daily, it's the steady pursuit. That uh, Hosea 6, verse 3, let us strive to know the Lord. What is it? Look, I love how it how that verse continues. It says, His appearance, His coming to us, His appearance, showing Himself to us, is as sure as the dawn. Any of you uncertain this morning whether the dawn would come? Hmm, I wonder if the sun's going to rise this morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the spring showers that water the land. See, what are, what, what are all those things have in common? What is the, the dawn, the the rain, the spring showers, what do those have in common is that they're predictable. They're predictable. We can count on them. And when they come, they bring newness. They bring a new day. They bring a new harvest. They bring new things into your life. When you press on to know the Lord, when you strive to know the Lord, He'll bring new things into your life. New vision, new peace, new purpose, new self-control, new joy, new love, new motivation. deepest part, that, that, that emptiness that you feel, that's shaped like God. And when you know Him, when you come to know Him, when you come to know Him more, it feels like you have new life. And it feels like what you knew before was just existence. You were made for this. Every one of us want to be known by someone whose greatness surpasses our own. That's why we're name dropping this morning is that you can know him and there's one more beautiful thing in this in this verse there's more there's many more of course this is eternal life that they would know God the one and only God the one true God and Jesus Christ that they would know you but the verse before let's not miss this let's not miss this you gave me, gave him, that's referring to himself, authority over all flesh, so that he, that's Jesus saying, I may give eternal life. And so as much as I've talked about knowing God is a demanding, great, 
all-encompassing pursuit of your life, the good news this morning is that eternal life is a gift. Eternal life is a gift. You don't have to audition. You don't have to make the cut. You don't have to measure up. It's a gift. And it's for you. It's yours and you can know God through Jesus. Through Jesus who lived the life you should have lived and died the death you should have died so that you could enter into a relationship with God not based on what you have done but based on what Jesus has done for you. That's good news. That is good news. It's a gift. I want to conclude this sermon, this message, with one minute of silence. I'm going to invite you in this minute of silence to just say what's on your heart to the Lord. To respond to Him. To reach out to Him. Maybe you don't know Him. Maybe you've Maybe this whole talk of knowing God is, is new to you. You're here and you're kind of kicking the tires on Jesus and Christian faith and you, you're kind of window shopping this thing and, and, and we're, we're so glad you're here. I'd, I'd encourage you, in this minute, would you, maybe you're saying, I'm not even sure he's real. You could reach out to him and say, if you are real, would you speak to me? Would you, would you reach out to me? I I want life. I want to know life to the full. Maybe you're here and you've known Jesus for a while, and yet you've been dabbling. Maybe you've been settling for an imitation version of knowing God. In this moment, just pour out your heart to him and say, I, maybe you can stay with the Apostle Paul in Philippians where he says, I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering." being made like him. I want to know you. I want to know you. So wherever you're at this morning, would you open your heart and have a moment with God on your own? And I'm going to close in prayer in, in, in one minute after that. you this morning and praise your great name that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Father, I thank you that you're extending that gift to each person, each one in this room this morning. And Father, speak to us by your Spirit. On behalf of us, Father, I say to you, we want to know you. We don't want to just know about you. We don't want to have the facts and figures about you. We don't want to settle for religious duty. 
we praise you, Father, that the gift of God is not eternal duty, but eternal life. We want to know life. We want to know life to the full. We want to know life on another plane, on another level, on a deeper level. And Father, we want to know you, our maker, our creator, our redeemer, our savior. And I thank you, Father, that you promised the Holy Spirit to those who ask for him. And that today, by your spirit, you are even in this room. That you're speaking to us. That you're encouraging us. Father, you know the circumstances of everyone in this room. Some of us are here with a broken heart. Some of us are walking through deep and dark valleys. We're caring for loved ones. We're receiving diagnoses. We're concerned for for those who are struggling with financial difficulties, with having relational issues and difficulties, conflicts. Some of us, Lord, have just ignored you and we haven't given you a moment's thought in days or weeks. Some of us have never known you. We've never even really considered you. And Father, some of us are in a great space and you've been speaking to us and you've you've been showing us new life and you've been overwhelming us with your love and we're on a mountaintop right now and we're, we're we can't wait to praise you and we can't wait to to hear more of you and and receive more from you and so lord wherever we are today would you give us a new song in our hearts a new joy a new life a new love and would we experience life to the full this is eternal life that we would know you, and we want to know you. So speak to us, reveal yourself to us, make yourself known. We ask in the name of Jesus, the one you have sent. Amen. One of the ways God makes himself known is through his people. It's through the embrace of a friend. It's through the comfort.